so glad that you joined us today. And um, I shared a similar story uh, a, a while back, but I, I had this experience. Now, I'm not sure any, if any of you can relate to my wife in this area, but she's one of those people that likes to watch surgeries online or like those TV shows. I just think it's so gross. I'll just confess. In fact, we, we had this experience where we were in, in, um, in Mali, and we got to visit a hospital that some of you have generously been a part of contributing towards this hospital is in a really significant community that has really substantial needs. And um, this hospital has had a, a wonderful impact for the kingdom, uh, both on a tangible way with surgeries and providing health care in an area that desperately needs it, but also um, a spiritual investment in that community. And one of our international workers that we have the privilege of interacting with here in a few months, uh, Jessica. Schaefer was our tour guide as she's showing us this hospital that, again, several of you have invested in to see God's mighty hand at work there. And as she's giving us this tour around the hospital, had the, um, the privilege of kind of going behind the scenes, and there was a surgery in progress. And um, Jessica said, hey, would you guys like to go? And I said, of course not. Um, and so my wife has like already got her scrubs on and she's super excited. And, and so I'm just sitting out in the hallway by myself waiting, you know, and, and I got bored. And so I went into this surgery that's taking place. It was incredible. And then as we watch this thing happen, and I'm trying not to pass out, to be honest, um, as we watch this happen, I, I noticed uh, th there was going to be this divine unexpected appointment that I got to have in this weird surgery uh, location on the other side of the world where the surgeon happened to be somebody that was a friend of mine uh, that I had not seen for some 15 years. We'd lost contact. He went to seminary with me. And um, thank, no, don't, don't be confused. My seminary doesn't have a like how to do surgeries in other countries that need a class. I didn't, I didn't skip that class. He was a, a medical doctor, a successful surgeon, very successful, and ended up uh, sensing a call in his life to move to this other country and he moved his family, uh, his kids, and, and was doing a great work there. Well, we had this connection in the hospital um, there. And I just, I had this, this humbled moment. I'm like, God, you're just amazing. And, and then as we talked about their story and what God had done in their, in their family, it just made me think about the fact that it's so good that God gifts us in different ways. I'm so glad there's people like my friend Dan. You know that? Um, if I were asked to do what Dan were asked to do, it would not go well. And when, when we talk today about this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians that is beautiful, this is a, an encouraging passage of Scripture. It reminds you that the God that you and I serve, he knows how to give good gifts. And the gifts that he's going to share with us, these, they're, they're so much more than just natural gifts that we're, we're trying to prepare for. And some of us are wondering, are our gifts going to be on that ship that's outside of California? Or is it going to arrive? You know, all that stuff. That, that this kind of gift that God offers for us is so much more than just what's natural. But his provision for you and I is supernatural gifting. And the supernatural gifting that we're going to see clearly described in God's word is designed to remind us that these gifts are not for our benefit. They are always designed to be used for his glory, that we don't focus in on the gifts. In fact, scripture allows us to see different gift lists. And in that process, what I find in that as I interpret it is, is that the focus is not necessarily on the gift, but it's always on the gift giver. 
And the thing that's so encouraging for me about this is my gifts, the gifts that were given to me, the things that God has spiritually invested in my life are not intended for my benefit, my glory, my affirmation, but instead it's for my brothers and sisters in Christ that are around me. So, so when we come together in a setting like this, and when we talk about these gifts, we see them manifested in the lives of our brothers and sisters, but they're ultimately a gift from our King, our good Father, for us to be able to experience the fullness of what He has provided for us. Do you believe that the God that you serve knows how to give good gifts? I really believe that. This isn't Oprah, a gift for you, a gift for you, you know. This is so much more than that. In fact, today I want, want you to think about this as, as a spiritual power tool that God's given you. We had a, a big oak tree that fell in our, or a branch that fell in our front yard. And, um, and I went out last week and I took my, my little hatchet. You guys like my little hatchet? And, and I chiseled away on this thing. I'm glad I'm holding on to it front row, right? Uh, Hell on close there. I'm chiseling away, you know, chip away. And it took me about 30 seconds for me to be like, oh, I have power tools, you know? And so, and so I, I uh, went into my house and I started grabbing the, the power tool. I actually have a chainsaw. I, I went for this for about 30 seconds and then, whoa, oops. Um, I, 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 went, I went with this for about 30. I have all my fingers and toes. You'd be proud of me. Um, and then I got the chainsaw out and made light work of it. And so, so when we talk about gifts today, the God that you serve knows how to give good gifts and when we talk about the power tools of the Christian life, what you're going to see is that the Lord knows exactly what we're going to be going through in our life experience, the things that we need. When you hear this, I, when I taught this earlier this morning, I just was thinking about the things that we need, like hope or affirmation or understanding truth or being able to discern between good and evil, what's right and what's wrong. How do we choose to live in a world that's messed up? That as we see these gifts as they've been described to us in God's word, that he's, he's provided for us literally everything that we need. And for some of us, it's a little bit like, like understanding our blood type. How many of you know your blood type? Like half of us? Okay. Oh, no. Okay, six of you. Way to go. Uh, for, the, for the rest of us, we, we've seen it. You know, it's been told to us, but, but, but it doesn't impact our day in and day out lives. And I think that when we talk about these gifts, I want you to be asking yourself the question. What is it that the Lord has provided for me? What is he asking of me? And I believe if we understand his spiritual gifts that he's given us, that we can experience life from a different perspective. We can understand that he is a good God that gives us good gifts, and it is not just for our benefit, but he's giving them to us for a reason, and it is so we can serve him faithfully. We can help others. We can bless others through the process of understanding those gifts. I want to draw your attention to God's word. We're going to be bouncing through several passages of scripture today, but we're going to pick up where we left off last week in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And this week, I'm just going to read through the entire passage. We're going to read the first 12 or 11 verses of chapter 12. And, and as I read this, I want you to just hear the fact that the good father that we serve knows how to give good gifts, and he does so on purpose and for a purpose. You have been gifted. It says this in Roman, or 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. It says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led 
Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except for in the spirit. We're going to unpack that together. These are uh, difficult statements. Like, what's this mean? But then it gets into some really meaningful things. It says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Everyone says, amen, right? He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. To each is given the manifestation. That's an important word in this text. The, the obvious declaration of the spirit for the coming good. For to one is given through the spirit, the utterance of wisdom and another, the utterance of knowledge. Um, according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit. You're going to see a pattern here. It's all about the gift of the Holy Spirit, what he's doing. To another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to dis distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. And then this last verse 11 is so helpful to me. What, why? All of these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions or who gives to each one individually as he wills. God's at work in your life. He's giving you gifts. He gives you good gifts, brothers and sisters. And, and I think our natural tendency is to look at what other people have. None of you have ever done this beside the Christmas tree. I know you haven't. You look at what other people get and what they receive and you say, but, but I wanted, that's, but that's what I expect. That's actually, he's challenging us to understand that he's a giver of good gifts. They're not for our glory, but they're for his glory. And I think it's important as we begin three weeks actually of looking at the gifts that God's given us. Next week, we're going to look at the unity that comes in diversity, the mosaic of the body of Christ. And it's going to remind us, again, we need each other, not just in our sameness, but we need each other in our complexity, that God's glorified in that, that he's built his body around us being not just the same, having the same God, but with different gifts and calling, challenges and, and experiences. Uh, after that, we're going to focus in on 1 Corinthians 13, the, the, the passage that reminds us getting this wrong confuses the fact that this is all about love. It's all about building one another up, gifts to each other. And so this week, though, we're going to focus in on the fact that when it comes to understanding the divine spiritual gift of, of the work of the Holy Spirit active in our lives, that it requires us to approach it with great wisdom. The first point this morning is an important one because uh, it's important. The Christian Missionary Alliance does a wonderful job communicating something that I believe in my core. And that is when it comes to understanding what God can do, I mean this about God completely. And that is we have expectation without any agenda. Do you understand how important that is? We expect that God can do whatever he wants him to do. He, he is God, right? Last time we checked. And so we have expectation without agenda. We don't put our constraints about, around what God can do. And I just want to encourage you. I'm going to share some stories today of ways that God has worked miraculously. And we stand back and we say, that could not have happened if God was not in it. And let me be careful and challenge you. When we use the, we use the term miracle pretty loosely, um, th this is not like I got the parking spot, you know? 
This is God showed up in such a way that it could not have happened if God was not intimately involved in the details. Do you get this? And so it's so much more than just the mundane, but it's supernatural work that God does, but it requires wisdom. We're gonna unpack these verses because it's helpful for us to understand the specific work of the Holy Spirit in our lives in this way. Gifts require wisdom. First chapter 12, verse one says it like this. Now concerning spiritual gifts. Now remember this letter is written to a church that was started just a couple of years old And it was in a cultural context where there was a lot of spiritualism. There was a lot of mystical event. There was a lot of individuals that were trying to engage with some version of God. And in their pursuit of God, they had oracles and things that we we can read actually in ancient literature that we see that this was a part of the culture, the expectation that God was communicating with people. And in that expectation, what the Apostle Paul warns that church is, is that that can potentially be a distraction from the one true God. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed. This is to say, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to miss the fact that, that I have something very p- precise and powerful to share with you in this area. We are calling this series the Prodigal Church And what we recognize is for some, they've been surrounded by the truth, but they're more uh, paying more attention to the thing that is around them, the culture that's around them, than they are the truth that God would have for them. He says, you know that when you were pagans, saying this past tense because they're now professing believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, literally inanimate objects, that, that these were just, um, they were just things that were, um, were worshipped by people, the statues, you can see the history, the archaeology has excavated these things, and, and he says, however you were led, that in that description, he's describing them, just, they've just been deceived, they've misunderstood, they've, they've seen something that carried with it some version of power But that some version of power was no comparison to the power of the one true God. It's very important when we talk about spiritual gifts and the work that God's doing for us to not ignore the fact that there is power in darkness. In fact, the Lord warned us that that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities of darkness. One of, the, one of the stories of, a, of, of, of someone very, very close to me, when she was younger, she sat down at a Ouija board. Some of you are familiar with this. Some of you know. And, and in that context, what ha- I've never used one of these before, but what they experienced, what she did in that process was asked about if she would ever have children. And, and what I know about her story is that she thought about that day every day until the day that her firstborn son was born because it, it carried some kind of authority and power in her life. We recognize that there's powers and principalities of darkness. If you could have gone back to ancient Corinth and you would have walked around, you'd have seen that it was a very religious community. It had all kinds of ways to, to experience what we would say would be darkness attempting to masquerade as the light. 
If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me over to Matthew chapter 7, 15. Jesus, Jesus gave us a very clear warning that there are going to be people who are going to use spiritual language at some time in history that are going to attempt to distract you from the truth of the light. It says this in Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 15. It says, beware, be on guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. I love this, this picture. It, 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 are, it, it shows you an image of what, this, what, what, what Jesus was teaching. He goes on to say, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. And he goes on to say, thus you will recognize them by their fruits. So, so I want to give you a few tests to identify if something, so Paul, Paul begins here. I want to be, be wise about this. When he starts talking about these power tools, he says that, that you need to be wise when you encounter them. You need to be sensitive to those who misunderstand how they're intended to be used. In the, so, so there's tests. The first test that he gives us or that is helpful for us to remember is what I'm going to call the fruit test. I, I'm so grateful. I, I love the fact that an apple tree has the tendency to produce apples, right? I'm grateful because they're delicious, right? They're a gift. It's, it's wonderful. But when, when Jesus challenged us in this area, what he said is that there are some that are going to proclaim that they have the authority of the Holy Spirit in their life, but their lives are not going to be marked by what he taught us or were taught in the book of Galatians by the Apostle Paul, what the fruit of the Spirit is. You know this. It is that it should be marked by, a, a person should be marked by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So, so the fruit test is to say, when someone claims spiritual authority, when you interact with them, do you see the love of Christ in them? Do you see the authority of Christ in them? Do you see this kind of spiritual kindness that, that is more. We have a lot of people who are sharing their voices, even using the language of prophetic voice today. And I, and I want to just challenge you that if they are not marked by the love of Christ, then you have to ask yourself the question, what are they saying? Is this, is this something that Jesus warned us against? And I think it's important for us to stay sensitive to that. Darkness likes to masquerade as the light. In 1 Corinthians 12, 3, he goes on to say, Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking to the Spirit or in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Spirit. So we get a second important test that is helpful for us. I think it's helpful for us to look at this and to say, what is the scripture test? What does God's word teach about this statement? So here in this time period in um, Corinth, the priestess of Delphi, Sybil of Kamea, uh, we know in Acts chapter 16, 16, that there was a young woman who was a, a prophetess and she, she was abused in such a way by a family around her that they were taking advantage of this spiritual energy that she had or attempts. At, and it, it, it's tragic story. So there's false individuals that would misunderstand this. But what I love about this test is that it doesn't mean that we disregard the fact that God can still do whatever he wants to to bring himself glory and honor. You guys awake out there? 
that he can do whatever he wants to to bring himself glory and honor. And so in verse um, in 1 Thessalonians 5:20, Paul taught us that do not despise prophecies. In other words, keep that expectation without agenda. It's okay to test these things, to put them up against the scriptural test. He literally says, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. You know what I love about the divinely inspired word of God is that you and I still have access to the author, right? And when we see in the text, even physically, we see, we see that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they're all in this section of Scripture. God is there, and, and the challenge for us is to make sure that we're holding his word as, as the standard for us to understand his voice. 2 Timothy 3.16 puts it this way. He says, all scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. It is his divine powers that given us everything that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us for his own glory and goodness. So, so, so we test this. This is how he starts. But it doesn't mean that we disregard the work that the Holy Spirit wants to do within us. I think it's important for us to understand that the Holy Spirit is the cause or the source for a person to be spiritual. I love one of, one of my profs in seminary. He asked, asked us to do a self-test. He said, um, what, how spiritual are you? Now I'm going to ask that question to you, Hope Church family, online. What, what grade would you give your spirituality? It's like, is there a right answer or not? Well, he agrees that it is difficult to answer the question, how spiritual are we? But then the, my prof challenged me. He says, well, how ob obedient are you? How, how much do you obey the Lord in your life? When Jesus taught us by this, um, when Jesus said, if you love me, you will do what I ask. I think that it's appropriate for us to stand back and say, the Lord has asked us to be people who obey him. Dr. Constable, who asked that question, goes on to say this. A spiritual Christian is a believer under the control of the Holy Spirit compared to one who is under the control of his or her flesh or a demonic spirit. Paul described mature Christians here as spiritual in contrast to natural. However, he proceeded immediately to clarify that it is not only possession of the Spirit, but also control by the Spirit that marks one as truly spiritual. So, so, so when he says out of the, when we, when we understand this like statement, like no one says Jesus is Lord without knowing him or you cannot say, I think what he's noting here is that it's out of the overflow of our heart, the mouth speaks, that, that our words give indication, our actions give indications of what's boiling up inside of us. So now he's saying, he's saying, be careful. But then he says, don't give up. There's actually wonderful gifts that are here. So our gifts are given to us by a good God that knows how to give us good gifts. And they are for supernatural purposes. Our good God knows how to give good gifts. We see this in verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. So, so when we look at in Scripture in 1 Corinthians, uh, later in 1 Corinthians, here in 12, later in 28, 
in Romans 12, 6 through 8, Ephesians 4, 1 through uh, 11. Th those descriptions, different descriptions in scripture of spiritual gifts. It's important. To know, we're just going to focus in on the ones that are recorded in this section. But well, why are there so many gifts described in scripture? Well, just like our creative God, there's creative gifting that he does to establish and to build his church, to do works and culture and times and history that are unique and special. I can remember when I was in Turkey that there were daily stories of people experiencing dreams that God was doing in that context that literally put people on their knees and say, who is this man that I'm dreaming about? What is this God that I'm exposed to? There were times where we were in places where daily bread was a daily struggle and God miraculously provided needs. It's not a one-size-fits-all gifting that he gives to every culture every time in the same way. But I want to keep reminding you, he can do whatever he wants. Amen. I want to keep reminding you that he is a God that is active and at work in his creation. That he knows our needs more than what we do. So here, when it describes different varieties of gifts, different, different, the description is so essential for us to understand that it's always about exalting his glory. You understand? It's not to be borrowed. It's not to be stolen. It's not for our own benefit alone, but it is for his glory. I love the way Hebrews 2.4 puts it. It says, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. This is what he was doing uh, as he continued to work in and through his church. Gifts are given for the benefit of others. There's an important word that's here in verse 7. It says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Uh, th this next week, um, some of you um, who were, um, have been waiting to put out Christmas decorations, you're going to pull out a string of lights, you're going to plug them into a power source, and you're going to expect to see the light come on. And, and there's a huge difference between when the light is on versus when there's no electricity running through it. It's kind of a no-brainer. We, we bought one of those Christmas trees that's like, I, I don't know how old it was, but it was like probably had a 10-year warranty, and last year was like... 10 years in a day. And uh, we plugged in our Christmas tree, the pre-lit Christmas tree, and like a third of the Christmas lights did not come on. And so I did, because I'm cheap, we literally went through every one of those things, right? And, and, and we're pulling them out and redoing it. I mean, now it became like a, like a COVID battle, right? Like you've got a little more time. We're going to win this thing. So I can't wait to see what happens when we plug it in this year. But but for, for each one of us, I want to remind you that God has placed power in your life that he wants you to experience. You are designed by him to let your light so shine before man that they could see your good deeds and bring glory to him, right? That's, the, that's the, the point that he gives us when he gives us these blessings is that it's supposed to resonate with his glory, not for our own. So when he gives us these supernatural gifts, they are for the benefit of others and they are manifestations of literally coming to light of his spirit. Why? It's for the common good, for the good of others. I love that idea that we get to be lighthouses for the truth of the gospel. So here, this manifestation is tangible understanding of the work and might and power and authority of God amongst us. 
So, so here we get to see the fact that God is going to do these things to bring himself glory and honor. Romans 15, 19 talks about this in a way that's helpful. He says, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around um, Eresium, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. That he is, He's using this to say that God's work can ultimately exalt God's glory. So here, God is at work. The gifts themselves are not to be worshiped. The giver of the gifts are. And so God can do, again, like we've said, whatever he wants. Leads us to the third point this morning. Brothers and sisters, I believe in my heart that God gives us exactly what we need for the moment that we're in. That he gives us exactly what we need. In Esther 4.14, she says the phrase, for such a time as this. And I think that it's essential for us to recognize his timing is perfect. His supernatural gifting to us goes so much further beyond what is normal because he understands the circumstances that we're uniquely going to be in. And so as we unpack these unique gifts, I want to go through the list as it's listed here in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. And as we read them, I want to remind you that these are intended to be shared for the benefit of others. This has been probably the most meaningful thing for me to study this this week is I I love to say that I love church. I look forward to this day. This is a highlight of my week, this time together in our church family. And what I'm learning is that part of the reason why this is such a benefit to me is that I actually get to experience the Holy Spirit working in your life And it is a blessing for me. Wednesday night, as we've gotten together to pray together, there's times when people share things that I look at this, and maybe it's a passage of scripture, maybe it's a declaration of something God's been teaching them, or a celebration of the fact that God's done a miracle on behalf of someone in the room. And we just stand stand back, and we find ourselves all benefiting together from the thing that God's doing. I think that's what this is all about. These are intended to be shared for the benefit of others. And that's partially why we need to be together in community. The first one that shows up in this list that the Apostle Paul is going to give us here in chapter 12 is he says, we're going to call it supernatural wisdom. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. In Greek, it's logos sophia, the word of wisdom. And I think this, descri- this gift describes someone who can understand and speak forth biblical truth in such a way as to skillfully apply it to life situations with all discernment. I, I, one of the things that we do in our prayer meetings on Wednesday night is that we, we pray a lot of scripture And in that process, sometimes someone will apply something. I'll listen to it and I'll say, that is exactly what I needed to hear for this moment at this time in history. I have friends that are like this in my life where they will, when we interact together, there's just times where they're just effusive with the truth of God's word. They're going to work hard at representing Christ in the conversation. And I think that that's a part of this, is this supernatural understanding of the wisdom of God and how it applies. The next one is supernatural knowledge. It says this, and to another, the logos gnosis, or the utterance of knowledge, according to the same spirit. And we're going to keep saying this. The spirit is the giver. God, the Holy Spirit, is the giver. Understanding, I believe this is understanding with truth and insight that only comes from the revelation of God. 
Those with a gift of knowledge understand the deep things of God and how to share the mysteries of his word. There are times when I have wrestled. My wife has, I think, a gift like this. I, I see this. There are times where we're wrestling with something, where we're pouring through scripture. And I'm just, I just don't understand what this means, which, by the way, I say a lot. I, I don't get, I'm trying to figure this out. Help me to understand this. I'm asking the Lord to teach me what this means. And there's times where people are able to just see through it and say, it's very specific. It's very clear. God is reminding us that he wants us to get this this way. And what we see is the Holy Spirit, the author of God's word, is revealing the truth of his word to us in a specific way. Uh, this next one, as it's listed in verse 9, is supernatural faith. To another, faith by the same spirit. This is not the faith that all Christians have in Christ um, because I believe that he's emphasizing this is a special gift. I think it's, it's the kind of thing that took Peter when he was on that boat so many years ago when Jesus is walking on the water and he gets out of the boat because he thinks God can handle this. Now, you know what I love about that story is that there were 11 other guys that were still in the boat when he did that, right? That, 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 that Peter had this sense of like, I can do anything as long as Jesus is out there. So, so my friend Dan, the surgeon in, 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 um, in that community that I mentioned earlier, one of the things that I recognized when I interacted with him is that, is that God gave a calling in his life. Arise, go, do this thing. But, but, it, but then beyond that, God gave him the faith to trust that what he was doing was God's will in his life. And so, so he's going to raise his kids in a different community. They're going to live in a totally different kind of house. They lived in a yurt, which I don't even know how to spell. Just kidding. Um, but uh, but, but they, their, their lives were going to just be different. But, but God had given him what I believe to be a supernatural gift of faith to say, we got this. We can handle this. And for some of us in this room, when you're around those people, those get out of the boat kind of people, it has the tendency to spur us on to love and good deeds. And I, I, have, I have a friend that's like this and, and, and there's this question that he'll ask me. He's like, dude, what are we waiting for? I love that question, right? Like what, what are we waiting for everything to align and in order for it to be all ready to go? No, supernatural faith. I think that's partially um, this, this beautiful understanding of this gift, again, by the same spirit. The next is supernatural heal, healing. To another, gifts of healing by the one spirit. I, I want to celebrate with you that there have been times, even here at Hope Church, where I have seen God do a miraculous thing that would not have happened if God was not intimately involved in it. There have been times where we've stood back and we've said, God, would you? And then he answers that prayer in an amazing way. I think of one time in particular over the last few months where left a hospital room where I was convinced that the person was dying. They had called in kind of last rites kind of thing. And in that process, just got in the car and I just remember weeping, Lord, would you spare this person's life? And then, and then after that, I remember just thinking, he's got this. Like it's the rest of it. I don't even need to check. It. I think God's going to totally do this. And guess what he did? He did a, did a work in the life of that person. God continues to heal people. Let me give a quick nuance on this. This is really important. It is important for us to remember that God's word teaches us that there is a divine healing. This is what God does. This is his agenda. He is at work. We believe wholeheartedly that God can heal. That's different than faith healing. Faith healing at times when we misunderstand is like, if I just believe enough, 
And I want to remind you, the difference in that is significant. One of my superheroes in my life is Johnny Erickson Tata. Some of you know her name. I've written, I just, I think the world of her, grown up listening to her radio ministry. And she was at a conference with the Christian and Missionary Alliance that the topic was about divine healing. And here, if you don't know her story, she's been a paraplegic since she was a teenager, tragic swimming accident. And, and we surrounded Johnny on that day and we prayed for a divine healing for her. We prayed for supernatural healing. We prayed with faith that God could do it. There was no question that we believed that God could do something, restore what was broken. And we know that he's done that before. He did not choose to heal her that day. But what I want to remind you, church, is that that doesn't mean that God did not give her supernatural strength and wisdom and discernment and clarity and understanding his word. And so just because God chose not to heal her in this life, it does not mean that he's not a promise-keeping God. Do you believe that? It means that he's still providing his gifting for his people in his own way. And by the way, if you haven't been blessed by her writing and her ministry, you're missing out. Because, because she's experienced dependence upon the Lord that's on his terms, not on her. So w- when we think about sometimes, sometimes we get the divine vending machine thing going where it's like, if I just do it the right way, then God's gonna give me exactly what I want. Hey, by the way, if that was the case, then he would no longer be God. Do you understand? And so um, I think we find ourselves trusting him, depending upon him, and we have, we have a belief that God can and that he does and that he will heal. Um, I promise you that I have seen him do miraculous things, and I find myself humbled in that process saying, I can't believe that I don't expect it more. I, I was praying with a friend recently. We were praying over a sick person. He was a pastor. And, and afterwards, after we were done like praying for healing, like afterwards, the question was like, so, so we asked the person who we were praying for, did you feel some? Did something change? What happened? And, and I was humbled by that because I, I think at times I pray and I'm like, yeah, sure, God will do whatever he wants. No, no, we expect that God is going to work, right? We expect that he's a God who continues to answer prayers, that knows our needs more than what we do. We anticipate his provision and his goodness. And it's never on our schedule. It's never according to our plan. But I'll just, I just want to remind you that, that in this description, he's going to talk about this in terms of this being a miracle. Verse 10 says, to another, the working of miracles. And I just want to remind you, a miracle is so much more than the parking spot. It's the shock and awe. Without God, it doesn't happen. Direct and powerful action of God, transcending the ordinary rules of nature. It's Jesus taking a kid's um, happy meal and turning it into a feast for, for thousands. It's just the way God works. It takes the natural and turns it into the supernatural and, and in that process, it often leaves us overwhelmed by his abundance. We know that God can do this. He does this still. You guys might remember 1 Kings 18, the, the description of Elijah on, Mark, on Mount Carmel, where there's this like, competition of whose God's bigger. And, and the competition is, is over these altars and wh- who's the one true God. And what I love about this, you guys might remember this. We know this is the fire from heaven passage of scripture. And here they, they build this altar and they've got the sacrifice and then they cover it with water. And then what I love about the God of the universe that I serve is that he wiped everything out. The stones, everything. He's so much bigger than what they could even have expected to happen. That's the kind of God that you and I serve. That, that's not just a thing that he used to do, but God is still at work 
within his creation. His divine power has given us everything that we need, that he continues to be at work within and through his creation. He proved it in the life of the Apostle Paul, Lord Jesus, Peter, Stephen, Philip. We could just keep going through the list. God is a miracle-working God. And so we stand back and we stand in awe of his ability and provision. So powerful, the power tools that he's given us. The next is prophecy. The Greek word translated prophecy in both passages means a speaking forth. It's, uh, I like the way Thayer's Greek lexicon puts it. It says the word refers to a discourse emanating from divine inspiration and declaring authoritatively the purposes of God, whether by reproving or admonishing the wicked or comforting the afflicted or revealing things hidden, especially by foretelling future events. To prophesy is to declare the divine will, to interpret the purposes of God, or to make known in any way the truth of God that is designed to influence people. I love to use this example, but it sticks out to me. The, the person who comes and meets with me and they say, God told me to do this. And then, um, and then later on, I find out that they don't do it. And I ask them why. And they say, well, I had soccer practice. And I had, I, I had to, to do this. Or it was too expensive. And I'm like, I, that makes me shake. Seriously. If somebody says to me that God told them to do something, and then they disregard that, that communicates to me either they were abusing that phrase God told me or they don't care what God has to say to them in their life. Both, both are pretty scary, right? And so th this, like, I love that phrase, like, don't outkick the coverage. Some people use Christian language or spiritual language to say God told me. And I would just say, you, you rarely hear me say that, not because God doesn't speak still, but it's because I recognize that I'm understanding his authority. Now, remember, when he speaks, it's always consistent. He stays the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you agree with me on that? And so, so when we even talk about this testing, what's going on, it's, it's appropriate for us to say, like, what is that? How does this mesh with what God's word has taught us? How is this truth consistent? And so we, we recognize that there's a beautiful gift of speaking and prophecy. In fact, uh, it's something that is a gift from God, but it's also something that we have to recognize. Uh, it carries with it a recognition that it sits under the authority of Scripture. And so there's people, some of you know this, that they, they have, in God's word, we talk about the Old Testament and we talk about the New Testament. And, and there are religions today in America that are common around the world that, that, that kind of treat it like there's the Newer Testament, right? Another prophet, another message, another gospel, another uh, thing that, that builds on the foundation or con considers itself as authoritative as the truth of God's word. And as long as that person claims some kind of apostolic authority or prophetic authority, that they feel that they have the right to do that. But God is not divided against himself. That God is consistent. And it's essential for us to remember the two, the fruit test that we run it through and the truth test that we run it through, the truth of God's word. Uh, the next one is spiritual discernment. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. I think this is a special ability to distinguish between the influence of the Holy Spirit and the influence of demonic spirits in a person's life. Those who claim to speak under the Spirit's prompting could be mistaken. 
And so God also gives the gifts of discernment to the Christian community. This is, again, one of those things. I, I have sat down with people, and there have been times where we've prayed over things like potential demons in a person's life. I've had some incredible experiences in that area. And there are times when, when what you hear a person say goes directly against what, uh, even though they, they claim to understand truth of God's word, or it just cuts against it. So when even Paul challenges us here, when the person says, Jesus is Lord, okay, when the person says, Jesus isn't Lord, or whatever that other statement is, that you can hear something that's going on. Sometimes when you hear that, you recognize the thing that they're saying is not of God. You know what I've noticed in patterns is often it's things that are shamed, driven, that it's this like anti-understanding grace, that there's, a, there's a, a religiosity that's kind of underneath all of that stuff. And you listen to it, you just realize like this isn't of God. And so the ability for someone to look at something and say, wow, it, it looks like it might be, but when you dig a little bit deeper, it's really inconsistent with what we know about God. There's people who God has given us within the body of Christ to be able to say, no, that's not of him. Spiritual discernment. The next to um, involve this term glossia, that's the term we get tongues. We, um, I, love, I love this phrase. It says, um, it says, to another, various kinds of tongues, to, the, um, to another, the interpretation of tongues. The, I think it's listed last on purpose. We're going to unpack this in 1 Corinthians 13 as well. But let me just remind you, what happened at the Tower of Babel? Do you guys remember this? That, that there was a, a commonality in language and there was a disregard for the God of the universe at that time in history. And so as a judgment, God instituted at that time, according to his word, um, differences in language. So what happened in the book of Acts? In Acts chapter 2, we see Pentecost, where people who did not speak the same language, now let me pause here and say um, that I took, I think, like four years of French. Uh, my French is not awesome, okay? If we, if we took time to, for me to try to speak French with you right now, I probably wouldn't do very well. Um, this isn't like that we got that software program and, and learned the language. It's actually supernatural understanding of someone that you don't necessarily share the same language with. And this, this, this statement is really interesting because it's not just the speaking of tongues. So if somebody was speaking gibberish in one context and no one was translating it, which we're going to see show up in scripture as being something that was challenging in the early church, the, the idea is that it's communicated in a way that ideas are communicated clearly and that there's able to be unity that's maintained in the body of Christ. So it's not just the message, but it's the translation of the message. And later in 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about um, a, a prayer language of angels. That's confusing. It's hard to understand what that means. But in this process, what I love about this is that I, I just find myself standing back and saying, God wants to communicate with us. He's got a lot of different ways that he chooses to do it. And we want to trust him that he is active and at work in our lives. And, and in this context, he is encouraging them and affirming them that, that, that in, in his handiwork, he can even use languages that, that are misunderstood or confusing that ultimately allow us to move into a mode of understanding. Why? Because he wants to build up his church. I love verse 11. It puts a neat bow on this passage of scripture. It says, all of these are empowered by one and the same spirit. So who gave you this gift on the tag? It is gifted by God 
the Holy Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. I want to give you a few concluding thoughts about the gifts. Um, one, uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is going to rewind us that without love, they're useless. I think that it's not about fair at this point. This isn't about, um, my, my wife, uh, she, she confirmed this. Uh, I can't, still can't believe this. This never happens in my home. Uh, but at Christmas time, her parents had these little buckets um, that they had that were made out of like 10 cans. And um, her parents, in order to make it, it all fair at Christmas time, they would count out the number of M&Ms that they put in each one of those. So some of you moms are like, not going to do it. Right? Um, I, I don't believe in it. But, but I just want to remind this isn't about fair. This isn't about equal. In fact, let me just remind you, like the calling of my friend to go be this medical doctor in another place around the world, that calling was a huge blessing in his life. It was a gift from God. But what he gave in that process was also the kind of faith and discernment and all of those things that he needed in order to experience that. God has different callings in our life and he has different giftings in our life. And it's not about equal. Do you understand? It's not about, it's not about divvying it out. So, so what we're going to see next week, if you join us next week, I want to invite you back is we're going to look at the, the diversity of the gifts and then that it's intended to blend together to make something that is amazing. God's thing that he wants to do to bring himself glory and honor, and that is the church. And so we see in the hands of the master craftsman, in the, in the hands of the artist that created the universe, that he takes the diversity and makes it into something new, uh, glorifying, honoring to them, to him. I think it's important. Um, without love, it's useless. There's nothing fair about the gifts using them for our glory or attempting to hijack them for our glory is dangerous. People have done it historically. That's recorded in the book of Acts and other times where people thought they could market this. They could sell this. They could use the, the power and influence of God to build their own kingdom. And I'll just, just remind you that that falls so far from what God desires to do in our lives. To those who've been given much, what's, what's the scripture teach us? Much is expected, right? And I think it's essential for us to recognize that through his giving, um, his expectation is that we use the gifts that he's given us. So, so I, I, I admit, as I apply this truth in my own life, that I need you. I, I need you in my life. I need the gifting that God has called you. I, I think it's so much more than just the Sunday morning church service to make sure that the grass stays mowed or that we uh, keep church afloat. Uh, it's so much more than that, that in our Christian life that we need one another's gifts to experience the blessing and the fullness of Koinonia Fellowship, the desire he has for us to enter into his gifting and his calling in our lives. So, so um, I, I pray that for each one of us as we apply this truth in our lives that that we recognize that he's given us not just a tool, he's given us a toolbox that's full of the tools that we need to experience and survive and thrive in a life that is not always on our terms. And I think it's important for us to recognize that you guys know, you, you've done it, where you didn't plug in the cell phone and it's less valuable to you than a hockey puck at some point, right? When the, when the battery's dead, it doesn't do all of the things that it's supposed to. And like, Constable, like what I read earlier about his, his challenge, like supernatural people experience supernatural filling of the Holy Spirit and they live in the light of that. And it is 
characteristically different than those who are living life in the natural terms of the world. We, we need to be people who abide and remain and experience his fullness. I think that it's essential for us to recognize that our lives are far less significant and meaningful when we neglect the power that God has given us through his spirit. I think that this is where I want to live my life. I, I, I was reflecting on this the last last few weeks, just in the last few weeks, like, God, when did you show up? When did you do things that I didn't expect? I had, had one, I hate that all of mine involve restaurants or food, that's embarrassing, but one of them was, this one involved coffee, where I went into a, a coffee shop, uh, Panera, that I don't usually go into, and realized right when I walked in, the guy that was around the corner was somebody I needed to interact with. In fact, uh, the encounter was so meaningful and, and good that I left there and forgot to even get my coffee, you know? Uh, but but the, the point was that, that God was just like, hey, I just, I, this is what I want you to do right now. This is more important than your agenda. That's, I think that's where he's asking of us to, to be as people who understand that he's still intimately involved in his creation. I want to be a part of what's significant. I want to be a part of what's meaningful. I want to experience and enjoy what God's doing in your life that's significant and meaningful. And I think that that's what he's designed for us. So, so the God that I know the God that continues to be at work in his creation. If you don't know him yet, it is time. It is, it is time to experience the blessing of the gospel in your life. If you do know him, let me just challenge you to ask him to continue to, to share with you um, what he's calling of you, how he's gifted you, what he's asking of you in that process. And I think if we do that sincerely, I think we enter into what the Apostle Paul is challenging us to do, and that is to be people who don't ignore or neglect the very gifts that the Lord has given us to be able to experience the privilege of being the light of a world that's around us that desperately needs it. Would you join me in praying for God's hand of blessing in our life and for his continued exposure in our life of his truth? Lord, we love you. I thank you that you know our needs, you know the world that we live in, you know our desperation, you also know how to give good gifts. And I pray for our church family that today, that they would be encouraged, that they would be grateful for your provision. I pray that you would allow us to be people who rub off on each other, that allow our gifts to expose and encourage and affirm the gifts of others. And I pray, God, that today, as we talk about this, that we we don't undervalue or neglect what you have called precious. We thank you and praise you for this morning. We ask, God, that you would be at work in and through our lives to bring yourself glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.